Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom, and we're rope partners who've been practicing together for a few years. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you, and we live in Thailand. So, Maya, you do rope as a bottom, right? I do indeed. Do you prefer it when your rope scenes are good or when they are bad? <laughs> um, depends what kind of bad, but in general, I'm thinking probably good. So, without going all zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance on you, if you can tell the difference between a good scene and a bad scene, you must have some notion of what quality is. And so what would be a good rope scene as a bottom? Um, well, first of all, um, from talking to a few of my other friends who bottom in rope um, about this episode, it's pretty important to understand that what's good uh, for one person, what good looks like for one person, might not be the same as what good looks like for another. So there's a kind of meta layer to all this where we're going to talk about lots of the things that might make a, a good scene, but you still have to find out what good looks like for your mm. particular bottom. So, so for instance, for you as a rope bottom, uh, good is mostly how much fisting there is in the scene. Oh right? my God. I, I think oh. this is the earliest in an episode I managed to get a reference oh to my. fisting. Why? Why? No, no. <laughs> So um, there are a number of things. Um, I think one of the things that I um, like in a rope scene for it to be good for me is some kind of connection. Okay. So, um, and we can talk about what connection is in a minute, and also some kind of um, some kind of feelings uh, or emotions um, generated by the scene, and that could be all kinds of different feelings or emotions, um, but some kind of response generated in me okay and what kind of things have generated those responses physical or psychological or emotional in you before um so the way that the rigor ties mm -hmm. so the, the 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 process of putting on the rope um the ties that they do the um scene that they've designed um well, um, how um, the connection we already have, to be fair, yeah, okay, is, is part of it. So if I've tied with them before, I might have more uh, comfort with them because uh, okay. I'm someone who is a bit of a nervy first-time bunny, honestly. Mm -hmm. So, so that's helpful. Um, so what else? Um, I guess on the flip side of that, some people might also have the excitement of stranger rope in the same way that some people have the excitement of stranger sex like doing it for the first time with someone you don't know can also be exciting in its own way i suppose uh yeah and for me not so much a thing um stranger sex not so much a thing also whereas i know for you discovering a new bottom although this is obviously about bottoms um is more of a more of a thing so yes i'm i'm absolutely certain that for some bottoms the tying with a new person would could be a an exciting thing for for me it's um the, the the anxiety is stronger usually although i do like um tying with d 
different types of rigors like that that I enjoy. Mm. So you seem to me to be a quite process oriented bottom, whereas some bottoms are more outcome oriented. So tell uh, me and the listeners what you mean by that in this context. Uh, by process oriented, I mean someone who cares mostly about what's going on as the rope is coming on, the tying, the untying, the sliding of the rope, the moving of your body. Whereas by outcome oriented, I mean someone who wants uh, a flashy position, a nice photo, something that's aesthetical, uh, or to achieve a certain suspension that is their target. And whatever gets them there, if the tying like is five minutes of just waiting around making a shopping list in their head, as long as they get to what they want, they're happy. Yeah, um, I would say, I mean, it's not like there's never been a position that I wanted to experiment with, but in, in general, yeah, 90% of my rope is about the the rope scene itself, not mm. not what happens at the end of the scene. Um, and I, it it's nice to have rope photos, and anyone who's seen my profile will see there are many rope photos, but they're, photos, but they're um, pretty much all of real scenes. There's only a couple of uh, more photo shoot ropes that I've done, um, and I didn't enjoy them very much. Mm. Um, so for me, yeah, yeah, for me, good is the process is the thing uh, rather than the, the end result, definitely. So how do you think a rigger can go about making sure their bottom has a good scene if a good scene looks different to different bottoms? Um, so I think... Um, it's very worth asking the question. Um, what? Well, asking the, I know, right? Um, asking the question. And there's a couple of ways you can ask that. So um, you can say, what does good look like? Which is mm -hmm. honestly a question I, I use in work all the time. Uh, yep. What does good look like in this activity? Mm -hmm. um, or um, one which I think you like is if you... If by the end of this scene you were to feel good about it, what would have happened or have been included to make you feel like it's a good scene? So some kind of question. But reassure me, please. We ask the question. We don't have to actually listen to the answers, right? Oh, you riggers. <laughs> um, yes. So um, I guess we, this takes us right back to negotiation. So honestly, right from negotiation, um, you know, that's when my rope scene kind of starts because that's where the connection starts to build with the rigor. And if I realize they're not listening to me, that, that it's not two-way communication, um, and indeed they don't remember things, and we'll come to that later. What? You need, not only do I need to ask you questions, I need to listen to your answers. And when we tie, like a few days after, I need to remember what you I told know, me. I know, right? It's exhausting being a wigger. It does sound exhausting. Who would want to do that? I just put um, you in a TK suspension like everyone does and be done with it. Well, well, now, now, you can do that perfectly well if you negotiated it. But, yeah, I think... Um, Yes, so communication um, is important and we believe, I believe and I think you believe that um, when you negotiate a rope scene, both parties should share what the objectives of the scene are. So is it relaxation? Is it being sexy? Is it a photo, which is perfectly fine? Is it a challenge? Is it pain? Is it a particular emotion? I, I do share that belief. I think ideally the scene should be the overlap of both sides' desire. So neither the rigor imposes uh, what he wants on the bottom, nor is he completely at the service of the bottom 
unless of course there's a power exchange dynamic one way or the other uh, but more like oh I'm interested in ABC well I'm interested in BCD well then let's do B and C yeah yeah um, yeah I, I agreed and so having that negotiation is the start very much of the connection which for me is one of the the biggest parts really of, of feeling it is quite central for a lot of people isn't it connection so what is connection exactly that's a good question and one I've been thinking we're, about. We're getting so philosophical tonight. <laughs> I know. Um, connection is um, there's some kind of uh, rapport or interaction between the two parties. Hmm. Now, what that looks like can be very different, I think. I um, think just like the, the bass guitar, it's mostly noticed in its absence. Okay. Okay, interesting. Yeah, try to listen to a a music track without a bass guitar and you say, oh, there's something that really should be there and isn't, but you don't necessarily hear the bass when the song's playing. Well, I used to play the bass, so I know. I should not, uh, that's, I, I see them as different, but yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, my point, okay. to yeah. come back a little bit closer to the subject, is, no. <laughs> is that uh, a scene without connection, you can sometimes say, oh, that looks a bit awkward for some reason. And so what does that look like as a bottom? Okay, so in that scene, the two parties don't seem to be doing the same scene. That mm. would be one of the examples of where you can see it by its absence. You, you can see two parties and one of them looks unhappy or uncomfortable, mm -hmm. or one of them looks like they're doing a pain scene and the other one just looks dead inside, or one of them looks super sexy and sensual and the other one's trying not to have them touch her or him like that kind of thing there's yeah. an absence of connection so the two people are not in the same place at the same time yeah and usually because they haven't communicated or negotiated at the start hmm. and that includes the bottom listening to the rigor just to be yeah. yeah absolutely yeah all right, so what kind of things contribute to connection in your experience as a bottom? Um, one of the things for me is not being, not feeling like I'm n not there, or it could be mm -hmm. a dumb, uh, uh, doll, doll or a dummy just as much as me, unless, of course, we're doing a more specific objectification or um, dehumanization scene, they're slightly different. But in general, I don't want to feel like an object or a parcel um i want to feel like i'm a living breathing human being in the scene mm -hmm. who you know, is as important as the rigor just playing a different part okay um that's pretty critical for me um i want to be able to relax um okay. and that might mean relaxing into pain um but I, I want to be able to be comfortable enough with them that i can let go mm -hmm. uh, and we'll talk a bit about how the rigor can help with that in a minute but mm. um that's part of connection the bottom contributing by following just like you would in a, a dance yes absolutely um and what else can the bottom do for you um to contribute to connection you know something i don't see very often but there's really no reason why the bottom could not do those things is uh touch the rigor if her hands are not tied yet or not and going to be tied in the same all the time yeah um, there's no rule to say that a bottom cannot kiss the rigger if 
during the negotiations that was uh, deemed appropriate if there's no limit on kissing well if if the position allows you to you can kiss uh, your rigor while i was um tying a new person the other day um she had her head cradled in my arm and she was like kissing my arm muscle while i was tying her and that felt amazing and that definitely contributed to creating a connection between us mm. um, another one that is i feel fairly uncommon and depends what the mood of your scene is is potentially you could talk to each other while you're tying and i really don't see a lot of that but if that feels appropriate to the tone of the scene you're doing there's no reason why the bottom couldn't be like whispering sexily or having a soft spoken conversation with the rigor as they're tying and then it can also be i guess a more intellectual level of connection you can maintain if it's appropriate for your scene oh yeah that, okay that's quite interesting intellectual connection well you sure. can't you can't really do that because as as soon as i come within two feet of you with a coil of rope you just like <laughs> melt into a puddle but for that's some people it's true. a possibility sometimes i have the ability to talk for a bit um it's funny i was just thinking about that having seen one of your scenes last week where the bottom was talking to you i didn't like it at all yeah um, <laughs> so it's think... interesting as an spectator i was thinking rude like don't be talking. yeah but you know i feel uh... spoken so even there you're like putting it into a specific box but it doesn't have to be soft-spoken does it exactly i think we have some uh cultural baggage maybe in large part from japanese rope where the bottom is just supposed to like shut their mouth and let the rigger do whatever to them but that's certainly not the only way rope can be conceived of to be fair the rigger doesn't talk either scenes yeah yeah uh but i'm i'm interested in exploring all kinds of rope and i think there's uh original avenues to be open when you go away from that uh, japanese bento box a little bit not that i have anything against japanese rope japanese rope can be amazing but there's also many other kinds of rope that can be right, amazing. Right, but, I, but have you seen a lot of talking in western rope um not really so that's why i think it's interesting to explore but there's certainly no absolute rule that it's a no-no to talk to your rigor. So uh, okay, it's an interesting thing that in general connection and, and a point to be made that connection is felt through the body and the mm -hmm. rope. It isn't through uh, words. Well, I think that really depends because I, for instance, happen to be a person who likes dirty talking during sex, at least some of the time. And so that would be an example where the talking is enhancing the scene and not pulling you out of it. So. I think I think there's something to be reflected on. Yeah, there. it's just not common. It is very uncommon. Uh, in fact, I've not really seen it done at all. No, um, listeners, if you um, know scenes where you've seen them talk to each other, um, then send them in rope scenes specifically. Hmm. I guess humiliation scenes or exhibitionist scenes might yes, be absolutely. where that happens. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free, far from it actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. No, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, you said you needed to 
you liked letting go to the rigor. So what is necessary for you to be able to do that? Um, I need to feel at the most basic level that they are safe. Um, okay. And that has a variety of um, aspects to it. So the first one is competence, uh, confidence in their abilities as a rigger. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing a particular type of scene with them, um, whether that's uh, one rope or whether it's seven hour or whether it's a suspension or a partial, then I need to feel that they're competent to tie that kind of scene and they're not, they're not overconfident. Um, and so, I might... so you're saying if you have in the back of your mind, am I going to die, am I going to die, am I going to yeah, die, you're less relaxed? Yeah, somehow me relax for mm. some reason, um, despite my enjoyment of fair play, that particular one doesn't mm. do it for me so much. Um, and, and I might watch them tie first, or I might get references, or I, I mean, even just my negotiation with them will help me mm -hmm. to understand their abilities a bit more, like if there are things that they don't really seem to understand or know then I might probe a bit more and this is where honestly the better educated you are as a rope bottom the more safe you're hmm. going to be um, in this area and so besides the safety aspect if the rigor is a bit uh, in over their head what are other consequences that can have for you as the bottom um, well obviously there's a physical um, piece yeah. but there's also a, and I'm someone who's a bit sensitive to other people's feelings and moods no kidding um, understatement of the century Thank you. Um, that's why I've got a fox. Um, I don't want to worry about the top. Yeah. I don't want to be anxious for them. I don't want to be embarrassed for them. I don't want to be, like, stressed for them. I want them to feel relaxed and comfortable. And so it's much, much better for them to do um, something, in inverted commas, simple, uh, well, because I think mm -hmm. you can do amazing things with very simple knots. No kidding. Um, than to try something which, like, they're not, it's too much for them in that moment. Um, and I'm going to feel stressed or worried. It's much harder for me to let go. Um, and it takes me out of a bottoming space. Most bottoms, they want to be able to bottom, basically. So what does that mean to you? <laughs> that means following and mm. not running the scene or not feeling responsible in the scene for the scene going well, playing a part and contributing, but not not being mm. responsible. So I don't know if you know that, but I'm a top. No. And so as a top, what can I do to assess how well the scene is going for you, the bottom? Um, you can, and I know this is shocking, um, ask them. What? <laughs> yep. Um, and people do this in really different ways. So, obviously, as we've just talked about, it's less common for people to talk. Um, but checking in, um, or having some kind of prearranged signal, like green, um, uh -huh. is one way of doing it. Um, we've certainly in, uh, scenes with pain and you could do this with rope pain as well ask for a number like how painful mm -hmm. is this that's um, really good for a semenawa scene where you're putting someone in a difficult position and seeing how long they can stay in it 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you ha are doing a suspension, you could ask, like, how long have you got left mm -hmm. in you? And bear in mind, it's hard to estimate. But okay. um, And try and pre-negotiate and pre-discuss that so you're not throwing your bottom in. So, like, with me, as we know, I am quite spacey. I'm not super verbal. No, no kidding. Um, and so I probably would be able to say green. I'm definitely mm -hmm. able to red. Um, I could probably give a number. But if you want like a long conversation about the scene in yeah. scene, that's not it's not gonna happen. So that would be the verbal side of of things. Uh, on the non-verbal side, as a rigger, if I see that my partner is very melty in the rope, or if I see that she is very aroused, like she has um, a sexy kind of breath, she's like sighing or she's moving her body in a certain way or maybe her hips are moving on their own a bit. Like I take all of those as good signs that mm -hmm. she's having a good time. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you mean by melty because we use it quite a lot but for others it might be a... Uh, essentially um, by a melty bottom and that is not everyone and I'm not saying melty bottoms are better bottoms and non-melty bottoms are bad like this <laughs> 10 different ways to be a, a bottom and there's not one that's better than another but a certain category of people have a reaction to rope where their whole body relaxes when you tie them up and they basically like fall into your arms and let you move them and they go super soft and it's almost like they're going in for a nap you know mm. Mm. So very relaxed and very yeah. Um, and with and with those people, if you achieve that state, that tells you in no uncertain terms that they are having a good time. Yeah, yeah. So Maya, I have a question for you. Um, as a bottom in a rope yeah. scene, do you prefer to succeed or to fail? <laughs> um, what do we? Mean? I mean succeed but what do you mean yeah. by because i've talked uh, uh i've talked to quite a few rope bottoms uh in the past few years and quite often they mention that they have a fear of failure and it's not always clear what failure means but quite often they want to feel at the end of a rope scene like they have achieved something or they have not let their rigor down or they have not failed them in any way and i think for some people in particular, that can be quite important to having a good experience. Okay, so that's just, I would say two very important and very different points in there. So one is achieving a particular thing and one is not letting their partner down. Yeah. So those those are, are quite different. So I, I don't often, I'm just thinking, I don't often need to achieve a certain thing mm -hmm. in the a rope. Um, although probably for suspension, my expectations are higher of myself now. And if I don't hold a suspension for a long time, then I feel like I haven't done as well. But that's usually because I don't want to let usually you down mm -hmm. in the rope. So pleasing my partner, particularly with you, who's obviously my, my D as well, um, becomes very important. And with a new uh, rigger. Probably I want to please them in a different way because I, I want them to feel like I'm a good person to tie with. Yeah. Um, so I guess this takes us right back to to make it a good scene for a bottom. That communication at the beginning about, well, what do we want to get out of this scene is really important. Because if mm -hmm. you want me to experience, uh, let's have a think, if you want me to experience a lot of pain 
and you're quite happy with a very short suspension as long as it's very painful. If I can't hold that suspension, but I feel like I'm supposed to, in inverted commas, hold it for a long time, I'll feel like I've let you down, even if yeah. the, the pain piece was there. The expectations that you set are very important to your partner's uh, sense of success or failure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think that's very true. And it's been interesting, like us talking about when we do our scenes together and with other people about what other people have considered a failure that you might have considered a success yeah. and, and might have been disappointed that then the other person feels like is a failure. Yeah. So that also helps each side not be disappointed by mm -hmm. the other person's reaction as well. Yeah. Uh, I think it's quite important, A, to reassure your partner during aftercare, say, oh, like you did well on that and I'm I'm quite impressed mm. by what you did or don't worry like I know the suspension was short but it was designed to be short don't, don't be concerned and also when you debrief which for me is something different like we what we usually do is we do the aftercare right after the scene obviously and we do the debrief on the next day most of the time um, with a bit of distance from the scene and then we can address again say oh like I think you did really well that wasn't an easy one like you stayed up for 15 minutes but most people uh, would find that very challenging and so on and so forth. Yeah, I do like reassurance. So that's probably um, a good thing to understand as well, feeling like what level of reassurance your your bottom needs. So then Maya, there's another thing, which honestly is not very important to you and me, but the Rope Podcast is not just about you and me, is it? It's, <laughs> okay. it's, it's not just like, let's listen to Fox and Maya's life for 20 minutes. <laughs> Every Let's couple of weeks, uh, we need to uh, to try and uh, serve all of our dear listeners' okay, uh, well, preferences. I was going to say the artistic and uh, aesthetic okay. side of okay. rope, uh, which honestly is not where my core interest lies. Um, I don't think it's necessarily yours either, but definitely for a lot of people, uh, feeling beautiful, creating art, making beautiful photographs or live drawings is quite central to their experience of rope, and I respect that. Yeah. Um, and so for them, a big part of having a good scene can be making something that's beautiful, presenting the bottom's body under a flattering light and angle, making it look nice. Unless, on the other hand, you're trying to achieve the opposite, uh, which is like something a bit um, twisted and disfiguring and monstrous. If that's what you're going for, if you make, if someone wants to feel beautiful and you make them look monstrous, that's not going to go great. Uh, <laughs> if you're going for something a bit dehumanizing or a bit like horror themed, and yeah, I have you to, really like face rope, eh? I like it so much. I was uh, basically messed up by Silent Hill as a kid, and okay. as a result of that, I have a bordering fetish for women with face rope and <laughs> things that make. That plays with the edge between human and inhuman, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, one thing I would say, um, you're right, uh, this isn't a big angle of mine, but one thing I think I would reflect is that um, for the bottom, they obviously don't get to see the scene in the same way the rigger does. Okay, fair. And often they might have their eyes blindfolded or, or even just closed. I mean, honestly, it's very rare that I tie with my eyes open. Um, and so their sense of the scene might be all internal and a photo of the scene might be the only 
like visual representation they're going to have. And so there's something to, um, I was thinking about this the other day, there's something to the photos matching their feeling. So Ah. if they felt really beautiful in rope and then they see a photo where they look like a sack of potatoes, um, that might not feel great. And it might be some dissonance. Yeah, it might pollute the memory Hmm. of the scene and they might think, wow, I think I thought that I looked beautiful, but actually, you know, I don't look like that at all. And and I think it can be quite, yeah, disturbing for people. So when you're taking a photo as the um, top or as the rigger, bear that in mind um, that it's not might not be about them wanting, you know, to be someone different, but wanting to match the feeling that they have inside mm-hmm. themselves. Uh, I mean... Based on what you're saying, investing in some photography skills as a rigger is going to help your bottoms feel like they had a better experience. Not because it's going to make the rope better, but it makes the souvenir of the rope better. Yeah, to have which a better is interesting, photo isn't it? Like, it feels like that shouldn't be quite right, but then... And yet... Yeah, and and taking a bad photo is just as... I want to say wrong, just as um, in a, inaccurate as taking a good photo yep. is inaccurate. Neither yep. is accurate or accurate. So you might as well take a good in inverted commas photo that the other person feels okay about, mm-hmm. um, you know. All right. Uh, there's also something that not everyone likes to do, but we like to do sometimes, is to have sex with rope. <laughs> we do like to do that sometimes with many people. With so, many. yeah. Not necessarily at the same time, but, you know, depends okay. Depends how the party's going. Uh, so for you, Maya, what is good sex in rope as a bottom? Um, okay, what is good sex in rope as a bottom? So um, it depends a bit on the feeling and the mood of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that letting go piece is, is there. Um, and feeling like... Obviously, I think I need to feel sexy in rope mm-hmm. to be able to have sex. Um, like, I don't... Sometimes um, if I'm doing rope and the person wants orgasms and there's no, like, warm-up, there's no touching or kissing or stroking, they just do the tie and then they want to... Insert. Insert or masturbate or, like, whatever, uh, use a toy. Um, I find that very jarring. I, mm. I don't like it, and um, I don't feel very sexy. Like I, even just because it's in rope, doesn't mean I don't need some like sensual touching, sexy touching, uh, kissing things that I would want in um, sex without in sex. rope. Exactly. Okay, exactly. that makes that makes a lot of sense. And uh, as the rigger, you have some considerations if you want to uh, have sex in your rope, and for that to go well. Um, it's a good idea when you design your scene to think about what kind of access you're going to have if sex play is going to be part of it because, well, if by the time your partner's all tied up you realize that your hip harness um, blocks any access to the areas you're interested in you're going to be a very, very sad rigor indeed (laughs) Uh, and the lesser version of that is if you have rope right next to where you're going and it shaves as you seesaw in and out you're not going to have a great time either so that's uh comfort level is actually something quite important yeah. for me as well so i can do with some pain because I, I like pain but mm-hmm. there are some pain that don't feel sexy that just hurt in a really 
unpleasant way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more tops and riggers understand about different kinds of pain and how pain interacts with their bottom and other bottoms, I think the better. Because yeah. some things just aren't nice. Yeah, right? definitely. Uh, another consideration is how much exposure the bottom is okay with if there is an audience. And I've had some uh, play partners who have said, I want my underwear to stay on, but that doesn't mean we can't have sex. Just try to make sure in, to, to do it in a way that's not going to show too much of my pussy to the audience. Uh, so Which like, is hilarious. But as I'm someone who doesn't like to be exposed, I think fair enough. But it, yeah. it, human beings, man, we're so complicated. Uh, yeah, there's a whole variety. And uh, definitely on that bit, bit of a sidebar, but an important one. Uh, if someone says i want my underwear to stay on ask the question does that mean no touching in that area or does that mean i can touch over or under or slide the underwear to the side because the answers might surprise you really really surprise you yeah uh lastly um be like the boy scout be always prepared and make sure like you have your lubricant uh your condoms your gloves if that's something that you use with your partner uh, all of those uh, where you can reach them really easily. Like if you have to leave your partner and walk to the other uh, side of the room to get the wet wipes or get a towel or get the toys, it's going to be damaging to the connection in your scene. So it pays to be prepared uh, and have everything ready. Uh, also one one little uh, tip, if you're going to use insertable toys, it's a good idea to cover them with a condom. That is both good for uh, hygiene and also it probably would make them easier to insert. And uninsert, as it were. Yeah. Um, so um, I think that it's quite important that even within this an individual, um, they might want different things. So sometimes the person might want to feel safe. Sometimes the person might want um, more privacy or exposed. Like... Just just because the person wanted one thing with you the first time doesn't mean they want the same thing. And it's also different um, from rigor to rigor. Like what I want from rigor A versus rigor B might be completely different. So never make mm. um, assumptions. Assumptions um, are very dangerous. Yeah. But for most bottoms, um, as a kind of big picture thing, they are looking for security being taken care of like the other person taking control and that is the kind of top bottoming piece occasionally not but in general i would say that's one of the few like things that's going to be more in common um between uh bottoms does that make sense that sounds very legit so that's all from us at the rope podcast don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from at iTunes or Stitcher and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Single word, no hyphen, no space, just Rope Podcast. Simple as it can be. Uh, give us a review if you can, because that quite helps us uh, reach new listeners. If you're uh, on iTunes, you can go there and give us any number of stars that you feel we deserve. Uh, hint, it's five. Uh, we also have questions from listeners so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode thanks for listening and have fun tying